0: Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the 5-Day Vendor Master File Cleanup. Do you trust the data in your Vendor Master File? Well, if you have less than 5,000 active vendor records and need to prepare for a vendor self-registration portal or for 1099 and 1042 IRS annual forms distribution, you are in luck. We have vendor validations including watch list screening, duplicate vendor review, vendor inactivation recommendations, and more. Go to Rrichardson.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-R. R I C H A R D S O N dot com slash consulting or email me at Deborah, Debra, D E B R A, at Debra R Richardson dot com for a quote today. Cleaning your vendor master file is something that we all know needs to be done. However, it can easily be pushed aside, and I mean easily, to focus on other activities that save time or money or generate revenue, such as AP automation projects or even a dynamic discounting program. But that's until you finally get approval for that vendor self-registration portal and happily, your focus finally turns to the vendor master file. Today, we're gonna talk about some tips to get ready. So keep listening. Welcome to episode 67, Implementing a Vendor Self-Registration Portal. Here are some tips to get your Vendor Master File ready. Cleaning your Vendor Master File in preparation for implementing a Vendor Portal takes a bit more than the normal cleanup process. This is because you must prepare the data in the fields to allow them to be mapped to the same fields in the portal. Now as a side note because I won't cover it here but before you start this process make sure you inactivate all of your vendors. You should be doing that on a monthly, quarterly, at the very least annual basis. So make sure you do that first so you reduce the volume of vendors that you have to review as part of this process. Okay so the first thing um, you should already be doing and that is eliminating duplicate vendors. Now You need to find duplicate vendors and you can do that by running reports based on vendor name, vendor tax ID, and vendor address at the least. You need to review each, consolidate those vendor records where necessary, and inactivate all but the surviving vendor. There is nothing worse than having duplicate vendor registrations in your brand new vendor self-registration portal or having errors during the initial upload process during that cutover weekend because you've got duplicate tax IDs in there. And yes, I did say weekend. And I know many of you who have had those AP automation projects or if you have implemented a vendor portal, you know that it takes all times of the day, all days of the week in order sometimes to get those projects over the finish line. Okay, so the next thing under deep clean your vendor records is to standardize your vendor record data. You want to make sure that the information is in the same fields across each active vendor record. You want to document and if you don't already have it as a new process Um, Make a new standardization process for the whole team prior to implementation so you won't have to do this deep cleanup again just before go live. And here are some examples. So the first one um, is the legal name and DBA name. So you want to check against IRS records to verify that the DBA name is not in the legal name field because, hey, especially if you have inherited a vendor master file, some Sometimes those or in the past those DBA names were actually added in what we would consider the legal name field because that's how the uh, they were matched to the invoices that came in and so you want to make sure that you have the legal name in the right field and that's because some of the vendor portals perform validations and those validations will fail for existing vendors that you uploaded into that portal when they go in to update their profile if the legal name is not loaded correctly. So you want to make sure that you get that corrected. Another big thing is special characters. Now A good example is let's say you have a DBA and let's say you do have a legal name line and a DBA line. You're still not out of the water because that DBA could have been written different ways depending on who entered it, such as just the letters DBA or D period B period A or D forward slash B forward slash A. And again, it's still great to clean that up so that you can standardize it. Okay, the next area is the addresses. So a great example is with P.O. Boxes. It's common to see vendor records where the P.O. Box placement varies between address lines depending on who entered that record. So if you have a separate P.O. Box field in your vendor portal, when you give those existing vendor records to your third-party provider, they're gonna ask you what column the P.O. Boxes are in and there are other examples within the address section or tab of your vendor record that can go astray i know um, i inherited a couple of vendor master files that had the attention line and depending on who entered it that attention line was either the first line or the second line and then at some point we det- It was easier if a vendor had the same tax ID, but multiple DBAs, it was easier to put the DBA on line one of the address, um, so that we could tie it to a specific address. And at this point we were in, um, PeopleSoft. So it allowed you to do that. I think Oracle will and Lawson will as well. Um, but we did that. And then when it came time to clean up for the vendor registration portal, now we had DBAs online one for some vendors and we didn't have for the others. So lots of things to uh, to take into consideration and make sure you talk with your third-party provider so that they can uh, give you any assistance. But for the most part, you're going to have to clean those up. So the last thing I have listed for the deep clean um, that's not normally included with a regular cleanup of your vendor master file is to standardize vendor master file values. And what I mean by that is tax values, account grooves, for example, if you're in SAP, um, payment methods, payment terms. So depending on the vendor portal you implement, you may need to provide your third-party provider with a set of values that will be available for selection on that vendor registration now that can either be by the vendor or the internal team member that's sending the invitation or link to the vendor to register but you're gonna have to have that set of values so think about it how many different formats of net 30 do you have in your payment terms drop-down box do you have it as net 30 N30, net 30 days, 30 days. I mean, it can go on and on and that's just one payment term. I mean, if you think about net 30, net 45, net 90, net 120. Yes, I do know a company that has net 120 days, but they want to push everybody to dynamic discounting and that's how they do it. But you have multiple payment terms and I know when I implemented the vendor registration portal, I had the biggest issue because within SAP, we had multiple variations of the same payment terms across most of the payment terms that were out there and they were all tied to some vendor records so here's a workaround that we did we actually worked with a third party provider and we actually mapped the payment term values that would come over when we would send them our file of existing vendors and we told them which um, payment terms needed to be mapped to the payment term values that we gave them. So all those different variations of net 30, we let them know that that needed to be the net 30 that we actually provided as a drop down value. So in some cases, there were some things that could be done, but if you're preparing now for that vendor self-registration portal project, review and determine what issues you have and talk to your third party provider to see if they can help you with any of those. And if they can't, then you have time to go in and do the necessary cleanup before you have to hand over your vendor information for go live. The other thing to think about with these Vendor Master File values is that you don't want to provide values in your shiny new vendor portal if they're not valid. And that includes those values that you don't know what they are. No one on your team knows what they're used for. Clean them up. Get approval to remove them since it's no need to add those invalid values again in your shiny new vendor portal. So that's it for the deep clean of your vendor master file. Now, the next section that I have is information you may need to add to your vendor records in order for the vendor portal to function as configured or the process to function as you'd like it to once the portal is implemented. And so what I mean by that is, right, part of any vendor cleanup right is adding missing vendor information but when you're implementing the vendor portal you need to make sure you have the information that will then be required for the vendor to use the portal so i'm talking about contact information now the first one is email addresses the self registration function of the vendor portal means that at the very least an email address will be required so that the vendor can be sent a communication to log in and register in the portal. So it's the most basic field that is required, but it's also a common field that may not be populated in your Vendor Master file. Or if it is populated, it may no longer be valid, especially if the email address is a specific person. Now I won't list them here, but I do have podcast episode 51, and that's nine ways to collect missing email addresses to update the vendor master file. So if you do need to collect those email addresses, go ahead and check out that episode with nine different ways to collect it. Now that episode may also help you collect two other pieces of information or contact information that the portal may require. And the first one is the phone number. Now this is usually optional because if even if an internal team member is sending an invite to a um, vendor they may not know the phone number that the vendor wants to use so it may not be required. But I will tell you that some vendor portals can contact the vendor as a reminder to register or update their existing vendor uh, record. And they can do it a couple of different ways, by email or by phone. If it's by phone, then the phone number will be required, which means you need to collect it and make it required in your accounting system or ERP. Now the last piece of contact information is the contact name. And typically, vendor self-registration portals will store a first name and a last name of a primary contact of the vendor and actually require it because somebody's got to come in and register. And it just looks better if you send the communication that has a salutation that says, Dear Sally Smith versus Dear Valued Vendor when those emails are sent from the portal. Now, which one of those do you think will get a better response. Now again, I just listed the contact information that you may need to add to the portal because it's the most common set of records that need to be added to or appended when you're preparing for that vendor portal. And more importantly, it's needed for the vendor communication within the portal. But there can definitely be others. Verify with your third-party provider if you don't have that information, whether or not they can accept a null value or whether you have to collect it prior to go live. So if you've implemented a vendor self-registration portal or are in the process of doing so, I would love to know, and I'm sure the listeners of the podcast would love to know as well, how else did you prepare? Give us the value of your experience by commenting on the platform that you use to listen. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 67th episode of the Putting the APN Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.